Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to us. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And on today's episode is our season finale. Now you've noticed that the format is going to be slightly different. The music is a little bit different because we wanted to spruce up this particular episode since it is the end of our season two of the BRP podcast. Now we've debated back and forth on what we're going to do for this particular episode. If you go back to the season one finale, we did a Q&A session and the whole nine yards. This time around, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're actually going to give a pretty in-depth review on Ghost of Shepherdstown. Now, this came in as a request from David. He really wanted to talk about this, and so both him and I have sat down and watched season one, which is only six episodes, but there's a lot to talk about in every episode that we have watched anyway. And after all that's said and done, I have found a pretty interesting article that I would like to share amongst uh, everybody in the paranormal community and anybody that listens to our podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to... Bear River Paranormal Podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. This podcast represents the views and opinions of David and Shane and their guests to the show. The views and opinions are for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique to their experiences, knowledge, and research, any and all opinions expressed does not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of any Bear River Paranormal Group member, nor any member of the paranormal community as a whole. Now, Ghost of Shepherdstown, David. This is one of those uh, paranormal series that you thoroughly enjoyed watching. Yeah, I wanted to talk about it because um, all the shows that were out there, um, I don't really like most of them. Like, I don't like watching paranormal shows, if I'm yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Um, primarily the main one that's out there. For some reason, like Ghost Adventures, I, I just have a hard time watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I discovered this. I don't know when I discovered it. It's been, I would say, I don't know, five years maybe. I don't know when it came out, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was 2016 to 2017, around that time, I think. But, um, I first discovered it, and I started watching it, and, you know, when I saw who was on there, uh, it, you know, I had Nick Groff and Elizabeth Saint, who I knew, and then it had, um, someone else on there who I didn't quite know, 
but then um, they came to Utah and we managed to uh, some of us uh, met him and he, he's a really mm-hmm. nice guy um, I think he, you've met him yeah that was the first uh, paranormal expo that was the Utah paranormal festival the first one I do believe uh, that we officially attended to and he him and his wife was actually there and I actually got a signed autograph from Bill Hartley He's a pretty chill dude, to be honest with you. He's pretty level-headed when it comes to this kind of stuff. And then I know, was it that same year or was it the year after you did the investigation with Elizabeth Saint? I think it was probably the year after. Okay. Because, um, yeah, the, the first expo is when Paul uh, put it on and he came for that. Yep. And then the following um, was a separate one. But I remember um, Castle and Wisps were the one that led that investigation at the Union Station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you ever meet um, Mr. Groff? Uh, no, but uh, my mother has, is, uh, for some reason, has the ability to talk to him a lot on Facebook. Mm, okay. Um, we have his autograph. But uh, as for personally meeting him, uh, I have not met him. I would like to. I have his book. I've read uh, one of the books that he, uh, I think, wrote whilst, like, right out of college in, like, his first couple years of doing the paranormal in, like, I think 2002 or something. Mm, okay. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've always, like, followed Nick for some reason. And even before I was in the paranormal... Um, I think I liked him the most, and just the more I got into the paranormal, he's just kind of someone I've been uh, following uh, the most. Yeah, because he seemed to be the most level-headed out of the three when he used to be on Ghost Adventures, but um, now that he's off on his own adventures, he seems to know what he's doing, and he's pretty, like I said before, he's pretty level-headed when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah, and so that's primarily when I started to be like, oh, this might be good. Let me let me let me try to watch this. So then I I, I started mm. watching it, and I really liked it, and I think I've watched it probably like four times now. And then you know they have a second season, and I've watched that. So it's like the one show, even though I've seen it, it's a show that like if someone wants to watch something paranormal related. Mm-hmm. I'll throw this on because I'm I feel comfortable and confident in um, what they're showing to be accurate versus trying to put on just a random show to let people who are not into the paranormal watch something that might not be as true. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is also entertaining as well, so it's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. And last I looked, they only have two seasons on there, correct? So season one and season two. Yes. Um, the whole part of a potential season three is a little uh, rocky because, um, and now this is just, um, this isn't entirely accurate what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. It is speculation from a certain individual who I've talked to. So some parts might be true, some parts might not be true. I'm not entirely sure. But um, they were planning on doing a season three, but they were planning on doing it without the original cast, yeah. which didn't make sense to me. They were trying to get a, a new cast to do it, and it just it didn't quite make sense. And so that was like becoming uh, an annoying 
issue, I guess, for a minute. Yeah. And then I think they just eventually scrapped it for a minute due mm-hmm. to um, getting enough people on board to do it. And I'm sure if you get enough money involved, anyone can do it. And then I think uh, COVID and all that became really a big issue. So I think they scrapped it all together. But they yeah. might be trying to do it again, mm. which obviously you can bring it back up whenever you want. The paranormal mm-hmm. doesn't go away. Yeah. So it's it might come, but it might be happening with a whole different cast of people. So I guess we'll see. Well, and it, it, in my mind, it doesn't make any sense to do that. Why replace the original three people that were originally started the show? Why switch them out for three other people? I wonder what the methodology was behind that. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if it was a, a maybe a ploy to get uh, new people to come watch it mm-hmm. but I, I don't know I don't see a reason why you would want to get rid of the cast that you've already established and have proven to be you know pretty good at working together obviously and, and yeah. figuring things out together yeah because they've already made that rapport with their fan base with the season one and season two so why start the bandwagon all over again with new people for season three that just doesn't make any sense that sounds like a train fire right in the happen yeah and it's like if you want to have uh new people why don't you just you keep the 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 main three and then every episode you just bring in a random paranormal investigator that you wanted to be on the show and have them intermingle with them you know what i mean Mm Hmm. i don't know because it makes more sense doing it that way because then you have the original three that's there then they introduce a new person which would bring a different set of skills and a different pair of eyes to see the stuff that's going on so that way sounds a lot more better than just replacing the original three with three new people that people don't even know but that's just that's how it makes sense in my mind anyway yeah but who who knows what goes on in the heads of producers and and all Mm -hmm. that yeah money talks unfortunately yeah, everyone has different opinions in the end, so... And maybe some people didn't like this cast. Maybe they didn't have... Like, didn't like working with them for some reason, or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, it could be as simple as that. Yeah, that is true. Which, uh... I did want to touch base on this, so I don't know if anybody has seen on Facebook or ads or anything like that. But 28 Days. What are your thoughts on that, David? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you, you sent this to me, mm-hmm. I think, uh, last week. Yeah. And uh, it's a trailer that I uh, we're watching. It's on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the concept of it is actually really interesting. They, they, they're taking three different teams mm-hmm. from across the world. So they're in, like, different states, basically. And they're locked down in one location for almost a month. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's, like, completely, completely in, like, off-camera, can they leave during the day, or is it, like, a weekend-type thing, or... I don't know the specifics of that, but that'd be kind of wild to be in a location for almost a month and just have cameras on you, and just every night you're basically investigating. Yeah, because the... From my understanding of the concept, it was going to be three different paranormal teams three different locations they were going to be locked down for 
28 days or be at that location for 28 days and gather as much evidence as they possibly can. That's what I gathered from the trailer that I watched. I, I think it comes out on like October 21st or 23rd or something like that. So I'm interested to see how they do all this. And I was kind of talking with Whitney about it a little bit the other day. Because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money if they have three separate teams, three separate locations. I was sitting there wondering, were they filming those three teams at the same time? Like, had three separate camera crews? Or did they start with one team, and then once 28 days was done, they moved to the, lo to the next location for the other team, and then after that? So I'm kind of curious to see the format and everything and see how they did did all that and I'm sure the the information will probably come out eventually as soon as that series comes out but I'm kind of curious on how they ran it yeah well it is Netflix so they have screw you money for sure yeah very much um, so but I I guess it, it, it would make sense that they could get a lot of footage so, I mean, I, I, they're guaranteed to at least get something that's entertaining. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd imagine, I don't know if they'll break it down into, like, exactly showing each day. Or if they're planning on just doing, like, a time jump. So, like, group one, you know, this is day one. Every, they'll show everyone day one, obviously. And then I think as the show progresses, you'll be like, all right, so even though we just got done watching group one on their day three, now we're going to go to group two, and this is their day five. And they're yeah. just going to show you what's happening with the most evidence on a certain day instead of showing you each day through for each group. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it, it hasn't been specified like how long these episodes are going to be, if it's going to be like one team per season, or if it's going to be like an hour and a half, two hour episode per team outlining what all happened in the 28 days. So that's why I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to try to extend it out like some of the other TV shows or they're going to try to do it like a cinematic movie type style. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think I'm definitely going to watch it, actually. You just, and I both. Just for curiosity's sake to see what how it goes. And then I guess we'll talk about it again later and give our opinions on it. Yeah, because that's going to definitely be on the first couple episodes as uh, an update on that particular series. Because I really want to watch it. It's Obviously, it's something new. It's a new concept. So I'm curious to see how they do it and everything. And I'm hoping that it's not like the other paranormal shows on TV and Netflix and all that. Yeah, I remember in the trailer at some point, there is there is a group that uh, there's a, there's a chick in it. And it, I think in the trailer they briefly showed like she was like getting affected really bad that I think one of the guys was like putting I would I think like a rosary on her or something. Yeah, something like that. And she was like freaking out. So that that'd be interesting to see what go, goes on there. Very much so. I I think if they've selected some good locations for these teams, it should be a jam-packed episode. But hard to say until they actually release it, which um, uh, I'll look it up and see when it's actually supposed to be released. I thought it was uh, this this month in October. Yeah, it was this month. I just can't remember what day. 
Yeah, so it says here, don't miss 28 Days Haunted on October 21st on Netflix. So it's October 21st is when it's supposed to be released. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in the, into watching it for sure. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Well, uh, I'll include a link to the video that we found on Facebook so that way you guys can watch the trailer as well because... I'm I'm I have high hopes for this. This is one of those ones that I really have high hopes for. I really hope it actually is a lot better than what is typically shown on TV. So yeah, <clears throat> well, if anything, it'll be I guess refreshing because it'll be a, a show that we're seeing three teams. I'm assuming no one's really ever heard of. Yep. So I mean that's kind of nice that uh, you know new people are getting some spotlight in this field than than the normal people. Yeah, because I mean, there's un- there's untapped talent in the paranormal community. It's just it's unfortunate that it's being shadowed by the people that are already on TV versus the people that actually should be on TV because of the talents that they have in this field. But you know, I digress. Right. Um, well, before we move on to our uh, main topic, um, mm-hmm. did you want to kind of briefly talk about what happened last night? Oh, yeah. So, uh, David, Becky, Alex, and I, we all went out to Newton Reservoir, which is uh, located in Newton, Utah. It's in northern Utah. It's a irrigation reservoir that a lot of the farmers use to, to water their crops and everything. But it's also a recreational uh, reservoir as well in regards to fishing, uh, boating, swimming, stuff like that. The history of this particular location, there has been quite a few deaths uh, due to the fact of like drownings and stuff like that. I think if I remember correctly, Alex said that there was like a body or two that haven't been recovered, but the vast majority of them have. Uh, As of recent, there was a young woman that uh, overdosed and committed suicide at Newton Reservoir. It was about approximately two to three weeks ago at the time of this recording. So... We went out there to try to communicate with said spirits and and see if we can uh, open up a line of communication, see if we can get some names and stuff like that. And I would dare say that it was pretty active. I mean, it it came and went. We moved to a couple different locations uh, around the reservoir, and each location was slightly different with activity. We initially started at the boat dock. And since this is October, uh, most of the uh, reservoir has already been drained due to the irrigation and everything like that. So we were able to drive downwards down the boat ramp and then and jet off and get down to where uh, typically would be about 20 feet, 20 to 30 feet underwater where we were standing. And we had the FX going. I, we did have a music box as well. David had his Ovulus 5. He also had his Renaissance. And you also had the... Uh, um, the word is escaping me. What was that equipment that you had last night? Envoy. There we go. Envoy. <laughs> yeah. Um, pr- primarily, uh, my Renaissance was used the most because my Envoy mm-hmm. and Ovulus, surprisingly that night, uh, I didn't really get any evidence the whole night with it. Mm-hmm. We primarily used your FX, and then we communicated the most with it. Yeah. And I know uh, the motion music box, that actually went off once for sure. Yes, it did. And um, we also used uh, one of your, your rims. Yep. 
and that actually went off that was kind of crazy when that went off yeah it did. the amount of energy that was going on with that and it only went off the one night the one time that whole night yep and it so, also drained the battery too yeah so we know that we got two different devices that definitely went off because they only went off the one time and then yeah we primarily just used your fx 2.0 and just surprisingly communicated with a bunch of spirits yeah and in fact on over there by the uh boat dock the boat ramp we did communicate with a few uh male spirits a couple female spirits uh a, a few funny things happened that night too like it seemed like one of the spirits was playing a prank on us because uh, we were standing there and I was using the FX and you can hear someone like, sound like someone blew into it. And then a funny voice came in right after and we were all just rolling. We didn't quite understand exactly what he said, but it was like, it, it sounded like it was kind of like a prank. Like they blew into it, they said something and it was, and it was kind of funny. Um, some other voices that came through as well then we moved over to the other side and um we had another female come through the voice um was kind of sassy i would say wouldn't you agree she was kind of sassy a little bit yeah when i uh was getting a, a name yeah yeah it was kind of funny Yep, and then shortly after that, that's when the uh, REM pod behind us started going off, and the energy had definitely spiked right there. And it was going off for quite a bit until the point where David reset it and everything, and then the energy just kind of died off a little bit. Then um, activity did spike up a little bit. We were uh, talking with a couple other different males again, and then uh, right behind... Alex, it got really dark and she was feeling a cold spot on her back and everything and this weird weird voice came through and and was trying to communicate with us and I don't know it was kind of like a on a threatening matter and then that dissipated and he left and then after that it just it was pretty well quiet so the activity that we did get was direct communication because I mean we've asked questions and we get an immediate response within like five seconds through the box and everything and it, it was a pretty active location it was definitely cold thankfully i had a, a lighter some tissues and some uh, hand sanitizer to to start a fire with those twigs and everything and we had a fire going last night as well and i thoroughly enjoyed last night i don't know about you david but it was pretty fun yeah, I mean, I think this is, it's safe to say that this was a location that was had a lot of activity, was haunted, but for once wasn't as dark that we've been yeah. dealing with, you know, as I think it was an, one of those normal times yeah. that what, what we used to have back in, in the early days. Yeah. So it was kind of refreshing and nice. Yeah. We even asked, like, if there's anything sinister here, let us know. And, and the box stayed silent and everything. We didn't feel anything sinister. In fact, at one point in time, I think the spirits were confused. They thought we were drowning. Yeah, that was that was kind of interesting because we were, in, you know, in the by the boat dock. And if that water was full, you know, we'd be underwater, right? Yeah. Because we were getting a lot of people, like spirits, like telling us to, like, go away, run, do, you know, like, like, for some reason they were telling us mm -hmm. to, to move out of our location where we were at mm -hmm. and we were trying to figure out why and then we were like well can, can you see us right now do we or like does it look like 
the water is at the top level does it look like we're underwater and mm-hmm. then i think we got a yes yeah we got a yes on that so it, they thought when they see us they thought we were underwater and maybe because when they died the water level was high so in their mind world or whatever that they're perceiving in their spirit world mm-hmm. they think the water is at the highest level when they were alive yeah so for some reason, to them, it might have looked like that we were underwater. And that's when I was thinking, well, maybe they also think we're dead then if we're mm-hmm. just underwater water doing nothing, you know, like walking around and talking. Yeah. So that was kind of very interesting. Yeah. And it, it, it goes to show, like, when you actually go out and you research the paranormal, you get to experience these kind of things. We got verification that spirits actually do care and they actually have feelings on the other side because they thought we were dying. They thought we were drowning when in all actuality we weren't. So we can check that off the list, you know, that spirits actually do care and they do have feelings and everything. And that was verified last night, I would dare say. Yeah, it was very, very, very interesting. And, you know, there was times where we asked questions, you know, uh, like I asked, are you content here? You know, like, are you happy mm-hmm. being here? And mm-hmm. we got a yes. And then we had some no's. And then, you know, we kept asking, like, do you need anything? Do you need help? Do you want to leave? And we mm-hmm. just kept getting mixed responses. Yeah. You know, it was hard to determine. But I, I didn't feel like any one of those spirits were trapped there. I feel like at some point they can leave. I just think yeah. that they are waiting for a right moment for some reason to do it, mm-hmm. whereas some just are, enjoy being there, and so they're fine just staying there. Yeah, because who knows? It could be paradise on the other side for some of those spirits, so they don't want to leave. It, it's hard to say, but it was quite refreshing hearing spirits that don't really want to leave. They enjoy being right there, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that was, it was definitely a lot of... Uh, direct communication and i mean there was times when i think spirits were just kind of talking to themselves mm-hmm. um but yeah i used my renaissance to kind of help uh with uh, em pump and then uh using a white noise and then the em wave on it mm-hmm. so we definitely use that in correlation with the fx but yeah we primarily just use the fx the whole night yeah and yeah i, I would dare say so far the fx is our number one tool yeah I still can't wait to use your uh, piece of equipment with that cord that I bought. I'm, I'm thinking that's probably going to be a game changer if that actually works. Yeah, I, yeah, I do, I do have the wish that it's going to be um, h- how we want it to be. But there's something inside me after using it, kind of, is like I don't think it's going to work out the way we want it to. Yeah, which we won't know until we can try. I know that's just deep in my my mind of like. Yeah. I just have a bad feeling that it's not going to be the perfectness that we're we're looking for in terms of what what it wants to what we want it to do. Yeah, like it has the right idea, and I think it tries, but I think in the end, it's just it's too hard to cancel out that white noise, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But at least we when we do get in the position to actually give it a go and try it and everything, then we will report in the next season on how that went and everything and we'll go more in depth on that and everything plus i still want to play around more with your envoy we did use it on that one haunted object when it was brought to us at benson but outside of that we haven't really used it yet so i would like to do some more uh testing on it too yeah i used it last night but i just nothing nothing went with it 
Yeah. Like nothing touched it once. Yeah. It was kind of interesting in my ovulus. Yeah, I would turn it on and the first couple words would come through, but then after that, my ovulus didn't say uh, a thing that whole night. Yeah. And then there was uh Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I just say it happens. You know, it's not unusual, and sometimes that it actually is kind of refreshing to know that sometimes you know, the ovulus just doesn't just doesn't work but then that makes me know that like well that means sometimes when it does like do the thing when it spits words out a shit ton it's Mm -hmm. not broken you know what i mean yeah otherwise if if every time i turned on the ovulus it spit out words then i'd be a little more suspect but when there's nights where it literally doesn't say a word that Mm -hmm. makes me know that it's a device that works yeah which uh refresh my memory david when you busted out the ovulus uh for the first time last night what was the first word that came through oh there was two different times so when we were up by the the fire Mm -hmm. when we were making the fire and we turned it on i think it said blaze yeah which was kind of interesting and then um when we were by the water the first word that came by was like something that involved water I thought it said dive. Yes, it did say dive. Okay, that's what I thought. So that correlates to what we were doing last night. So even though you weren't getting much activity from your ovulus, the words that were coming out were spot on anyway. Yeah, it was kind of just like in correlation with the energy that we were doing when I was holding it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, we were in the water. So then it said dive and then we created mm -hmm. that fire and then it said blaze. So that was kind of, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. And then uh, we are going to test some other piece of equipment as well. Uh, I was showing them to David. I'm not going to give too much uh, details into them until we can actually vet them and and give them a go and everything. But if they end up working out the way that I'm hoping it does, it could be a complete game changer when it comes to being able to show everybody everything that we see on a typical investigation. And that's... The only spoiler that I'm going to give you. But this was actually referred to me by uh, a dude down in uh, South Texas. I think he does the uh, MPS Paranormal uh, Podcast Radio or whatever. Which I sat down and did an interview with him. um, I would say uh, Friday night. Really chill dude. Very knowledgeable dude. He knows what he's talking about, and he's been interviewing quite a few people. Uh, He basically goes coast to coast to interview teams and everything. And in fact, we're not the only team that he's interviewed over here. I believe, if I remember correctly, he was um, interviewing another team out of Cedar City, I think, last night. Which he asked me if I knew this team, and I was like, "Well, this team doesn't sound familiar to me because if it's that if there's any team from Santa Quin on, on up to the border of Idaho, Utah, then we know them. But anything past Santa Quin, we really haven't re- interacted with those particular people. But the person that uh, interviewed me for his podcast, it's NSPS TV Paranormal Podcast." So I will link a uh, I will link his his uh, podcast and his uh, Facebook in the group page. Which I don't know if you guys knew this, but we do have a dedicated group page for our podcast, and it's really easy to join. Just go to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast Facebook page, click on Community, then you'll see our group. 
request to, to be uh, led into the group, answer the simple questions, then we'll let you in. If you don't answer the questions, we're not going to let you in, just an FYI. We've been having a lot of people trying to get into our group, but if they don't answer the questions, we can't let you in. It's pretty simple. I mean, if you can't answer simple questions, we can't trust that you're actually going to follow our rules. So please answer those questions to be let in. And um, just so that way you are aware, David, we actually got a couple cells from our merch store. I think I heard about that. Yeah. So we got some more sales. We've been trying to um, advertise it a little bit more. We're starting to get some pictures in from some of our fans. So what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to advertise it in a different way by showing you the merch that other fans have bought. So that way you can get a realistic idea of what it's going to look like when it arrives to you. So I think that would be an excellent idea. And we did one last week. I did one last week anyway because our, uh, our awesome fans over in Tremont, they bought some shirts and they took a picture of it. And we used it as a promotion to advertise our merch store. So we definitely recommend that you go out and check that as well. Anything else, David? No, I think it just, when you were telling me that it kind of sucks that uh, it doesn't tell you who's purchased it. Yeah. That's the kind of only downside. Right? Because I would love to give them a shout out. Any person that would purchase merch from us, I would love to give them a shout out. But the way that website is, it's all anonymous. All I know is, hey, you made a sale. You're getting paid. All right, then. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, definitely if you guys uh, purchase from us, uh, l let us know. Shove, shove it in our face you know there's we want to know who's buying our stuff so we can you know thank them yeah exactly and then um a couple of episodes ago we did a poll that was exclusively on our group page or our yeah group page uh, basically asking you know if we were to do a public investigation and invite you guys to it where would you guys want to go we did get some responses from that, but I think what I'm going to do is, uh, David actually brought this up to me, but we're going to make it public for everybody, and we're going to share it on the actual Facebook page, so that way everybody can share it, weigh in their uh, opinions, and everything like that. Then we will go from there. So look for that poll here shortly. It will be released just shortly after our season finale and everything so that way it gives you guys something to talk about and something to look forward to because who knows if we get enough uh, support for it we may be doing it during the next season and if you guys are lucky we may do a live broadcast right there on the spot at that location who wherever you guys want to select to go to and you are on board with this, David? Uh, sure. Alright. I'm always down to do something. Sweet. So then we'll we'll go from there, so just look out for that uh, that post as well. And did you have any last updates, David? Um, I don't think so. I think, I think we're good. Yeah, I don't think I have any other updates. Uh, I was gifted a stone the other day. It's a uh, fluorite flame from Diana. That's the only stone update that I have, to be honest. Yeah, it is very pretty. Mm-hmm. It's a very pretty little stone, that's for sure. Very much so.
Hey everybody, the sponsor of today's episode is Anchor, the platform that we use at the BRB Podcast for our podcast. Anchor is an awesome web-based distribution type platform, kind of like Spreaker and some of those other platforms out there that allows people to host their podcasts. But here's the caveat. There is no caveat. It's free. Free? Yeah, free. Unlike some of the other streaming platforms that we've used in the past, like Spreaker, they limit you on how many episodes you can upload. They limit you on how many demographics and charts and stuff like that that you want to see and see how your podcast is doing. So Anchor provides all that for free. You can upload. You can have as many episodes as you want for how long it needs to be. They give you all of the graphs and charts needed so that way you can keep track of your progress on how well you're doing for your podcast. And they also give you the option to help monetize your episodes as well by either giving you some sponsorships or you obtain some sponsorships. We definitely, definitely recommend checking out Anchor for all of your podcast needs because us at BRP Podcast, we are a self-funded podcast. So the fact that we can use internet-based platform for free and they give us all the tools to make us successful is why we give them two thumbs up. So we definitely recommend you check out Anchor. The link is in the description of this podcast. We would love for you to check them out and let them know that we sent you over to them. Thanks, Anchor. Now, this was uh, something that David really wanted to talk about, so we both watched it. I have my notes. David has his notes. He's obviously watched it more times than I have, but so I had to write down some notes and everything. But I would say we probably go from, like, episode to episode. Would probably be better, David. Okay, yeah. Um, there's going to be spoilers. Very much put, so. Putting that out there, we're basically going to... Uh, talk about it um so if you really want to watch it but before you listen to this i guess uh that this is your your chance to i guess you had the chance when i briefly talked about it a little bit Mm -hmm. but uh yeah and uh i mean it won't anything we say even if you haven't watched it isn't gonna take away from when you actually watch it Mm -hmm. because uh we're not gonna like go script word for word exactly what they say yeah um, yeah we're just gonna we're just going to talk about it, um, some of our maybe highlights, and then I might just go tangent off on some random stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what I like uh, about it initially, so you have this idea for this show, and they get the police of Shepherdstown, which this is it's a town, and it's in, um, oh, I had it in my head where it's, where's the town? So West it's Virginia. in West Virginia over by the Potomac River. Yes, West Virginia. Um, and you have this uh, sheriff's department. You know, it's a small town. And so I would say maybe their police force consists of like, I don't know, maybe like, five people. Yeah, four to six people. Um, so uh, n- not a lot. And uh, they decide, and his name is Chief King, uh, the main sheriff guy. And he decides uh, to team up with this uh, show and be like, hey, let's get... Um, a group of paranormal investigators down here and kind of figure out what's going on uh, in my town because mm-hmm. they are just getting flood. They get flooded with calls every night. 
yeah of people like calling the police department saying you know there's someone in my house or there's there's stuff being thrown out a window or you know like just stuff that you would scare people you know yeah and he's just like you know this is taking time away from like the real emergencies the real phone calls that we need to be dealing with so he essentially creates a team um to kind of handle the paranormal phone calls that they Mm -hmm. get yep and then you know just goes from there and kind of what i like about when they interview king is that you know you have the main camera the a camera on on chief king that's steady and then they have like secondary cameras that are showing um them interviewing chief king you know you Mm -hmm. see the producer you see the camera see the boom operator so i kind of for some reason in my filming brain liked i like to see kind of like the background of the process of them filming chief king you know what i mean yep yep definitely because it it just shows you that it's more than just like uh production in which the 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 goal is entertainment they're kind of they're they were showing you a little bit of the processes of Mm. what they're doing and i've very much like to see that yeah you know sometimes the raw that that sounded weird the (laughs) rawer things look to me in a paranormal show the more i believe it yeah but i don't want them to take away the beautiful cinematic part of it as well because like some of the shots they do like you know that they, they have like a pretty sure a drone shot of the town at some point and they, mm-hmm. they do very uh pretty good imagery mm-hmm. of it but also just as they're investigating uh from case to case i mean you are having the crew either a cameraman the producer like they're all interacting like you hear them talking yeah so it's it, it's more than just like yeah point and shoot everyone be quiet let's only focus on our main people but it's like no everyone's involved when it comes to the paranormal like no one is potentially safe from getting interacted with you know some crew members see stuff moving some get touched you know mm-hmm. uh, they have a lot of things happen to them and mm-hmm. it's nice to also get their input because they're also there you know yeah. they're witnesses yeah, it makes it more believable, especially because it has to go hand in hand. You know, you have to have the right amount of cinematic beauty versus the rawness of it. And I truly believe that they captured a good quantity of both and it made it into a very enjoyable episode to watch. Yeah, and I'm just going to put it out there a little bit because I, I know you might. We were talking about this briefly, not to say mm-hmm. that you're going to totally shit on this mm-hmm. but uh you had a bit of concerns on it and that's mm-hmm. fine you, you can everyone can have their um things that are wrong with certain things mm-hmm. and i would assume you're gonna try to play the devil's advocate on one side and i'm gonna probably be stuck on the side of the show is great but i i won't discredit <laughs> what you think yeah uh where some wrongs or could have done better on certain things yeah so we'll see if we get into a debate. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because I know we, we talked about it more in depth last night on the way to the investigation. But my biggest thing was there was a lot of jumping around. And there wasn't really much of a process to follow through. I mean, they used some equipment, but they didn't use a lot of equipment. They didn't really showcase a lot of evidence either. And it didn't really sh- showcase, you know, how they reviewed it and all that so i i felt like that was kind of a letdown seeing that but outside of that though 
my biggest kudos is the fact that they use a retired ambulance as their, you know, as their vehicle to go to each and every investigation. I thought that was cool shit. Oh, yeah. The opening scene of them driving uh, Mm -hmm. into town. You have this blacked out, nice, like, big ambulance with the back end that's pretty much all scrapped out. And they're just using the side built-in panels for, like, their equipment. They have, like, you know, uh, DVR camera set up. They got the two monitors. And mm-hmm. then even in the square spaces, they have LED lights that are blue that are, like, background lighting. Like, this this thing is, like, a dream vehicle to have for a paranormal investigator for oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a going investigation buggy. That's for damn sure. I mean, they, it yeah, was all no, sorts that- of decked out. That thing is awesome. They're they're it's like their mobile HQ, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone everyone in the paranormal field dreams of having something like that for sure. Oh, so yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And that's basically the opening scene of like the investigators introducing themselves essentially uh, on why they're on the team, why they're here, and all that. And they're mm-hmm. just riding into town. Uh, so that's it's really cool. And you have a. Uh, you know, Nick Groff's driving, Elizabeth's in the passenger seat, and then you have uh, Bill in the back, and they're just talking about, like, you know, equipment, and Bill's like, oh, I got I got this, and then Nick's like, well, you got batteries? Like, oh, I got stinking batteries, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just, Bill, Bill's a pretty pretty honest guy, kind of, I, I like his, uh, his style. Yeah. And then they talk about Elizabeth and her having, um, she's a sensitive, mm-hmm. you know, she has, uh, and empathic abilities of like feeling emotion and stuff like that yeah uh, but also what they don't really talk about in the first season is elizabeth is also uh, very equipment savvy i would say probably more than bill hartley is even though they have bill as their you know equipment tech guy right mm-hmm. technically elizabeth saint is more of the equipment person than any of them because yeah. she actually you know makes her own equipment yeah, and probably shuffled with it the most, but they they cast her as the sensitive, which makes sense. Yeah, which uh, I also I forgot to mention last night when we were talking about this, David. There's been a couple scenes throughout these six episodes where they're explaining how the equipment works and everything like that, and I don't know, it just it made me laugh. But everybody in the shot acted like oh i didn't know this this is interesting to know and everything like that and i was just like oh that that's way too much acting that <laughs> needs to be dumbed down just a quite a bit yeah well it <laughs> it's just yeah it's kind of funny because in the beginning you know you have nick who's like talking to elizabeth and like saying like oh so you're a sensitive like he's he's taught he was kind of talking to her in that opening shot like he didn't know who she was you know what yeah. i mean yeah even though they work together for a long time they, mm-hmm. they absolutely know each other but it was just funny to see nick like asking that question in the vehicle but I, it, it was to set up what she is you know what i mean yeah yeah very so much yeah so. you, you can see a little bit of uh that uh cue of uh of a little bit of a of a script to narrate a story a little bit for the mm-hmm. opening shot yeah but i think when they're actually in investigation mode and like doing talking to people you know that is all improvised right yeah you know you have a bit of you got to figure things out nothing's 100 percent scripted but you do have uh your certain b-roll shots and camera stuff of explaining that it is you do have a bit of a script right mm-hmm. yep which makes sense but so yeah you have that opening shot of them coming in and then i think it goes straight to uh, a, a night scene of a phone call 
mm-hmm. that they get that um, someone's calling in from a, a bakery. And um, they have in in their little truck vehicle um, a CB radio that's connected to uh, the police is mm-hmm. CB radio. Mm-hmm. So they are also getting the calls. And uh, when I think they have a certain code or something over the radio that if it's paranormal related or they call uh, Nick specifically and say, hey, can you meet me here or something? Yeah. So they get a call to go down. So they go down to the bakery and, um, well, first of all, the police chief's there first. He arrives on scene. Uh, the lady calls because she thinks someone's in the building. And, you know, she's there at night uh, preparing the cakes or whatever for, for, like, the next day. So she's, like, a night shift crew person. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so police, you know, walks through, checks to see if anyone's there, goes in all the places, and is like, eh, I did my sweep. There's nothing here. And then the paranormal crew shows up and uh they proceed to you know ask the the lady some questions and what she saw and her experiences and then they just kind of proceeded to uh to investigate a little bit uh that night um i don't they don't really use too much equipment uh, i think the beginning bill uses a type of uh emf reader that i've never mm-hmm. seen before but mm-hmm. you know they're all essentially the same they just kind of look different yep and uh, he's doing a sweep alongside the outside of the building, trying to get uh, a baseline, um, which, you know, is, is good. You know, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. And then they proceed to have, I think, Nick and Elizabeth kind of go inside, you know, look around. And then really they get up into the attic and Elizabeth starts sensing some emotion Yep. where she starts um, kind of panicking, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny um, how they edit it because when she's like in her like hyperventilating panic mode it, it, you can hear a breathing mm-hmm. but it, if you look at her and you listen to the breathing it's not actually her that's the hyperventilating breathing that you're hearing mm-hmm. I think they added it in because I think when it on in the moment when it happened Elizabeth wasn't like short of breath when she was doing it yeah so it's it was kind of funny to like to point that out to myself and be like mm-hmm. yeah i don't think that's her actually breathing like that i think they just added it in for dramatic effect yeah but she was being affected i mean that's that's for sure and um after that incident happens they basically are like all right we gotta stop for the night i think they say elizabeth said to the crew that i think it's best to stop for the night i don't know the actual reason why they stop for the night mm-hmm. but they do so they shut the cameras off and uh, they kind of go back the next day in the daytime. They talk to the owners, mm-hmm. um, and the owners proceed to like you know explain the ghosts and stuff that are said to be there. I think mm-hmm. they say there's a colonel, yeah, you know, someone of a high military status because this is West Virginia. Um, there's a lot of um, Civil War stuff that happened in this town, and in fact something i forgot to mention was the sweet shop bakery uh, has a plaque on it and it was used as a hospital during the civil war yeah so that kind of ties into like you know you had a lot of people coming in here at one point and we're probably dying mm-hmm. we're probably getting amputated so there's a lot of energy in this building mm-hmm. so i mean that is a good explanation for a majority of stuff that happens there right yep um but the, the biggest thing that was interesting is uh, they're walking around in this bakery and they're like, 
well, look at this cool, big safe. Mm-hmm. And they're talking to the owners, and they're like, what's in the safe? And the, the owners of this baker are like, we don't know. This safe was here when we purchased the building. And they just have left it. They haven't touched hmm. it. They never opened it or tried figuring it out. They just left it for some mm-hmm. reason. Yep. And so the crew's like, well, if we get a locksmith down here, can we open this bad boy up? And they're like, yeah, go for it. So that was kind of uh, interesting. And so I think they're setting up to start investigating. Or like they're getting, it's not quite investigation time. They're just like setting up places and stuff mm-hmm. while the locksmith is doing his thing. And then they, uh, they get it open. And so they have this all big reveal. Nick's about to, you know, put his hands in there. They, they dramatize it a little bit. And then he pulls out one object. There's one thing in this safe, and it's an old baby shoe. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why the hell is there a random baby shoe <laughs> in this safe? Right. You know? And so they're, they're all confused. And so they, they call up their historian, which don't. For the life of me, I forgot her name, and it sucks because she's actually really good at her job. Yeah, and and I'm horrible at names, so I can't help you out on that aspect. I see her face. <laughs> yeah, but she she's really um a really good historian. Like she does her homework, and she knows a lot of things about this town. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for some reason, I cannot. Well, Dana. Yes. Her name is Dana. And um, they call her up and they're like, hey, um, quick question. Is there any significance uh, for a baby shoe? And she's like, well, is it near like a fireplace somewhere open fire? And they're like, yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, they've done some renovations. I guess potentially this may have been a house previously before then they turned it into something. But mm-hmm. um and she's like, well, there they had like a, a legend or a folklore thing that what they used to do back in, you know, the early days was they put a baby shoe um, in a s- specific sacred place and it's supposed to ward off evil. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very uh, interesting practice that that's what they would do uh, to ward off evil. You know, it's kind of almost like a, a paganistic uh, approach to things like that, right? Yeah. Um. And so they were like, "All like, oh, that's uh, that's really interesting." But um, if you think about it, if that was the case, that they use this to ward off evil, there is a, I would assume, a lifespan of that protection that probably would eventually fade, right? Because mm-hmm. you know you have the intent there of like this baby shoe will protect our house, when really it's the person's intent of setting that up is actually protecting the house because they're using their energy to do that, right? Yep. Um, but it, it's it's interesting that they, they're using an object uh, to help them um, solidify confidence in themselves that this is going to protect their house when it's really themselves that are doing it. So mm-hmm. it was, it's interesting that that is what they did. But everything at some point, if you don't do upkeep on it, uh, has an expiration date, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that baby shoe probably no longer has protective energy on it, obviously. Yeah. But it was just kind of cool to, 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 go, to go through that. And then, uh, yeah, they proceed to, uh, I think, uh, I think they had some like camera malfunction where like the lights in the building like turned off mm-hmm. during the discovery of this shoe or some which was interesting 
and pretty dramatic but i mean if they, they turned off they turned off and then out of nowhere they turned back on and they're like oh they're back on so mm-hmm. whether or not you think they faked that or not is up to you but that's kind of pretty cool that the lights turned off on them mm-hmm. and you're gonna be hearing me say this a lot for some reason like all the evidence that we're about to bring up um it's open for you to believe whether or not it's real but I like to take the stance on if it is real, it's pretty damn cool what they got. Mm-hmm. So by no means anything I say, think that it's 100% real. Always have skepticism when you're watching any evidence. Mm-hmm. But for the purposes of moving forward, I'm just going to assume everything that I'm saying is going to be real. Yeah, understood. Now on the second episode, David... The house that they were investigating seemed a little intense. Looked like Elizabeth got attacked up in the attic, and then it um, it uh, wow, my English is horrible. But also the uh, medium also seemed to be affected by the negative spirit. Anyway, choking her out and everything like that, and Elizabeth seemed to. Uh, been feeling uh, some feelings from all of that as well. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, so episode two, um, they get a call for um, it's uh, another lady calls and um, essentially she's at like a college house, right? She's there for college and so Mm -hmm. they have, if you've ever been in a college town near the college, they have houses that that's where students kind of stay. Yep, the dorms. Yeah, like yeah, dorm. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, mm-hmm. So she's staying in like a, a college dorm house, and um, she's just having a bunch of her stuff go missing, like her glasses and some something's just um, uh, messing with her all the time. Yep. And um, so she calls the police because I think she said there's someone that, that's broken into the house and is potentially in the basement. You know, that's the last time she saw her. And uh, so they go there, you know, same, same routine. So then the crew come up. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, well, I mean, also in episode one is when they introduce um, Lori. Mm-hmm. Now, Lori is uh, going to be the show's psychic medium. I mean, that's what she calls herself. And this is my opinion, and Shane can tell you his, but I think she's legit in terms of her gifts. Yeah. Um, just the way she acts and, you know, she's no nonsense. She, like, doesn't, I don't think, p- perform too much, you know? And mm-hmm. I, she's very invested in what she does. Yeah. And, and I, and I even pointed out to you last night that I, that I thought that between Elizabeth and her, they kind of work hand in hand with their abilities because obviously one's a medium, one's a sensitive. So when one is uh, experiencing one thing, the other is going to experience something either similar or completely opposite. Like when the medium was was being affected by the negative spirit, choking her and everything. If I recall correctly, Elizabeth was feeling uh, sad, sad and scared, those types of emotions. And she was being affected differently versus the medium. Yeah, because, yeah, so Lori actually can see the spirits right yep and she can hear them and talk to them which is you know different than elizabeth elizabeth has Mm -hmm. the abilities to feel them 
the energy and their emotion but yeah lori can actually full-on see them and what was interesting with what lori has said at one point was uh the idea of when she sees orbs that's the spirit hiding itself its identity mm. is an orb shape that's what, like when she sees orbs she's like that means they're hiding from me mm. when they're not hiding she fully sees them as they are mm-hmm which is very, very interesting that the idea of orbs is, is potentially spirits hiding themselves. Yeah, because we've always ran under the preface of it's a, you know, the light anomaly is the energy of a spirit manifesting itself into something so that way we can physically see either with our own eyes or on equipment or anything like that. And the fact that she mentioned that it's just a spirit hiding themselves to us seems quite interesting to see it from that aspect. Right. So yeah, they uh, so Laura's introduced and she's doing stuff. And I think when she gets attacked, uh, she says, you know, it's like got her throat, like it's making, like almost like making her hard to breathe. She, you know, mm-hmm. she has to step outside and she quickly cleanses herself with some sage. But basically, um, it's her power. Uh, and she, I think she's a fir- firm believer of God. She says, if you're not with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're not with me. Mm-hmm. Right, yep. so she kind of does her own her thing to like eliminate this brief attachment that was on her, mm-hmm. and so she goes through all that. But so yeah, in the second episode, they um they do some stuff. They find her glasses. They're doing a bunch of things. Um, they have to come by I think a few times to help her. But one of the the couple big things that I took away from the second episode was um they do. I'm, let's go with. I want to do with the evidence first. Um, they capture a really cool piece of evidence in the second episode that is my favorite, and that is um, they have this water uh, from the shower turn mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. right? So they're they're in the basement, uh, Bill and Elizabeth, and uh, they're the only ones in in the, the the house, and they hear water running in the pipes, mm-hmm. and they're like, um, there shouldn't be any water running in the pipes. We're the only ones in here. Yeah, and then so Nick shows up, and they're like, "Hey, Nick, when you're inside, find out where a source of running water would be." Mm-hmm. And then, then later they hear Nick says, "You guys need to come up here right now." Mm-hmm. And then so they go up, and they're in this bathroom, and they said, "Yeah, this was just running." And they're like, "What? It was running? Like, yeah, it was just running." And they're like, "That's weird." And then they're looking at it. The camera's on it, and then like, and Bill's like, "It sounds like it's trying to come back on." And then you just watch the faucet just from the tub just water just starts flowing yep and then it stops on on the camera like they were they, they just witnessed that happen and i thought wow that is that is really cool mm-hmm. that they caught that yeah and you brought up a couple things too in regards of you know obviously there could have been someone down in the basement or somewhere else uh physically turning on and off the water from the main versus you know twisting the knob at the actual uh tub itself you brought that up as well when we were talking last night and that could be a viable thing but to be honest with you i don't think anybody would put that much effort to faking evidence yeah it, it's it is funny because there's always a way to fake evidence right yep if yep. you look at it and i always like to think about it's like someone who does magic right mm-hmm it's interesting to figure out how they did it mm-hmm. in terms of doing a trick. And so when it comes to seeing evidence, I like to think in the back of my mind, because I like to do magic, I like to think in the back of my mind, well, what is a way that they could have faked that, mm-hmm. you know? 
because I, I like to know that what's a possibility because if I can't explain something then it's wild you know then mm. then that's a wild piece of evidence but yeah. if I can explain it in my head it's still cool if it's real but I like to know that there's a potential of how they could have done something yep you know but so yeah I thought in my head well it could be as simple as they just turn the faucet let turn the main off turn the faucet go down get ready and then when they get a cue turn the main on briefly then turn it off again and then that can show you how water can move without touching the faucet so and yeah. it's pretty simple to think about but i i wouldn't think that they did that and yeah. I, again i'm trying not to assume everything that they're capturing is fake but it's just mm-hmm. something that i i have to do in my own mind to help myself for some reason yeah but but that was pretty cool i mean i'm like man if that was real they caught that i'm like that's awesome mm-hmm um, but then one of the things that they do uh, pretty late in the episode when they're actually investigating um, is they use an Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone knows our stances on Ouija boards. We don't like them. Yep. We prefer no one uses them. And this was on episode three. No, this is episode two. Oh, was it episode two as well? This is episode two. Hmm. Yes, because this is in the basement of the college house. Mm-hmm. And... The, they have Lori, Elizabeth, and the girl who's being affected. All three of them use it. Mm-hmm. Right? So they're in the basement, and they use it. Now, the, I mean, it's a pretty nice board. I'm not going to get it wrong. It's a really nice handmade board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't like that they use it, but I'm like, well... Nick and Elizabeth and Laura, they, they're people that I would trust to use it because they probably know what they're doing with it. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing is I didn't like the fact that they used this girl who was scared using it. Yeah. And then you were telling me something that I actually didn't know was a thing. I didn't think it, that was an issue. Mm-hmm. But you were telling me that it is wrong at any point to take your fingers off the planchette. Yes. So the way that... In my research and what I've uh, I've seen and was told to me is when you work with a spirit board, a Ouija board, which like what David said, we don't condone we don't condone the use of Ouija boards. We are against Ouija boards and everything, but it's good to be educated in these kind of things. But when you use a Ouija board, when you first open up the session, obviously you go around in circles and whatever. But you're not supposed to remove your fingers from the planchette. You're always supposed to have your fingers on the planchette at at all times during the session. The only time you should ever take your fingers off the planchette is when you close the session. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. You have to stay connected with the board through the planchette to keep that line of communication open because if you take your fingers off the planchette regardless if you go and you close the the session on the board you didn't quite close the session hence why when we deal with these kind of things when people use Ouija boards they use them incorrectly which keeps them open which is essentially a portal for any nefarious spirit to come and inhabitate your your area and cause chaos within your life so that's why we don't uh, recommend that you use Ouija boards at all. But during the filming of that, there was numerous times they kept on taking their fingers off the planchette. There was obviously one person, if I remember correctly, that kept their fingers on the planchette, but everybody else kept on removing their fingers. And I'm over here like, what 
the actual fuck are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to do that. How is this acceptable on live national TV? You know, that's pretty much promoting the use of a Ouija board, and they're not even using it correctly. So that 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 was one of the biggest irritations on that particular episode, for me anyway. Yeah, I, I didn't know about the finger thing, and I've always known or heard or been told that, I mean, that that's not an issue. As long as you close the board out after the session properly, then it shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the mis- misconception of a spirit board. You have to keep connection with that planchette or you break that communication and then there's no point in even closing the board because it ain't going to close. Hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Primarily, obviously, like I said, I've, I've never used it, so I, I wouldn't know um, the effects of that, but I don't want to attempt it. Yeah, and I've seen other people use it, you know, obviously not in real life, like me standing there watching them use it. I've watched other teams uh, through videos use it, and it's quite interesting watching other people use Ouija boards. Some people, uh, they usually do some sort of like a prayer or something, you know, where they shake each other's hand and and they, they say something, you know, never remove your fingers from the planchette, always be true to yourself, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and, and, it's, and it's a big thing. You just don't remove your fingers from the planchette at all. Now, outside of that, the board's pretty fucking cool. Like, I love the fact that they didn't just go out to Toys R Us and go buy a Ouija board or, or anything like that or Spencer's or what have you. This is actually legit, like, quality-made Ouija board with a quality-made planchette with it. And it would be something that I would have displayed in my house. Obviously not together, but... You know, I would have it up on a wall as a showcase and then have the planchette somewhere else in the house, you know? But, yeah, that was really the only thing that I didn't quite approve of, but I let it go because uh, assuming that, you know, everything's fine and whoever has that board anyways, it's, mm-hmm. it is what it is. They fully know what's going on with that board because it's their board. Yep. So, in the end, I don't think it negatively affects anybody who used it or where the board is now so well let's just hope anyway just let it go i guess but Mm -hmm. because i know nick which is weird that nick didn't use it because i know nick has been known to use ouija boards before i have heard that too so it was just kind of interesting that that he wasn't involved in it but i i don't know i trust Lori and i trust elizabeth so whatever Mm -hmm. they decide was the right course of action I trust them into thinking yeah. that they did it right, but yeah. that's just my opinion. So, but yeah, I think they go through it, and um, so at this point they have a headquarters um, in a church. That's kind of where they set up, which is kind of cool that they're using a church for their headquarters. Yeah, and uh, they have a board of the town of Shepherdstown, and they're putting little marks on it on locations that they're doing. Now, one of the things I brought up to Shane yesterday that I was curious to, I don't really know the full answer of this, is like, I'm curious to see how many other locations in this town that they did, but decided that it wasn't worth showing. Yeah. Because we don't know how many places they actually did while they were in this town that they just decided weren't important to what they were getting that helped with their story. Yeah, because the whole preface of the whole entire show was the fact that this town was pretty much haunted, you know. So I'm one. We were wondering, you know, how many of these locations that they go to that wasn't worth putting on national TV. So it, 
it kind of makes you wonder, did they do like 40 locations, 30 locations, 60 locations, you know, and they only cherry picked the, the good ones? Or have they not even hit the other locations, hence why they were wanting to continue on with the series to showcase more and more of these locations? It's, it's hard to say, honestly. Yeah, so they have this board of the town, and they're putting a little, you know, pins on the locations that they investigate to try to, you know, look back and figure out what's the correlation of these locations, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. they're picking, hand-picking things that they find. So, like, location one has the baby shoe, they have a picture of that, and then the second location, they're determining water is a factor for some reason, mm-hmm. so they're, they're putting up all water, and, you know, as the episodes go by, they're trying to figure out a, a good correlation to what's happening and i think as they go on they're real they're realizing that a lot of these locations um are close to uh, a water source like mm-hmm. there's always water near them like the sweet bake bakery is pretty close to the town run yeah right and then they got uh, you know the second house that one's pretty close to water as well dealing with water and then at some point they you know they have the town run and then they get close to the potomac river so they're deciding that water is a pretty big factor in uh most of their investigations that they're doing in this town Mm -hmm. uh which is which is pretty cool um which i think is episode four that uh really correlates with something that they Mm -hmm. discover uh with the town run that's awesome but um you gotta go to episode three Mm mm-hmm now, episode three is pretty cool. Um, it's just a random house that gets this phone call. Um, this old couple's there, and they're like, someone, we keep thinking, someone's trying to get in our door. Like, they're trying to open it, but it's, like, locked. And they're thinking it's their son. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, they're seeing a lady in white outside that doesn't have a head. So they're pretty spooked. And so the team comes by, and they're doing this, uh, you know, this thing. There's a scent of smell. And then this house through the research that the historian lady dana does um is like uh yeah there's a there's a prominent family that owned this house mm-hmm. and what happened is um this um lady who owned the house um was on a carriage ride one day and something spooked her horse and she got flipped out of the carriage and she pretty much broke her neck on impact mm-hmm you know and so like that's a death that's related and then you also have the fact that uh her daughter was also in the carriage and witnessed her mother die mm-hmm. you know so they have this whole thing going on and her name's uh they call her ray ray mm-hmm. the daughter and they're like and ray ray had some spiritual gifts you know that they found a journal of hers that she wrote into and the the summer of her mother's death uh she writes in her journal and said that death was following her family that year Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Ray Ray did to try to protect her mother uh, before the incident was she would shut all the windows to their house to prevent spirits from entering her house. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting concept to think about. You know, I mean, we kind of do that now. And even before when there is a death, you know, they cover mirrors and stuff. So it's like the same idea that's mm-hmm. being transformed every generation. Yep. But, um, so, yeah, Ray Ray's doing all this, but, you know, her mother does die and all that. And one of the interesting things 
that they capture that piece of evidence is they catch this on camera and it's one of the window shades it's a wooden shade you know and they catch it being closed on camera mm-hmm. that no one no one touches mm-hmm. and that's pretty phenomenal piece of evidence too and it's just one of the things that like it's ray ray doing it but what's funny and interesting to think about is so ray ray um after the whole events of her mother she lives a long life like she dies in her elder years yeah but for some reason and this is due to like Lori helping and whatever um they are she they're seeing her as a child mm-hmm. so the idea that this ray ray after she died she chose to come back to this town at this house for some reason and is back in her child form trying to protect people from another unknown entity that they are discovering mm-hmm. and i think she does this because that moment in her life when her mother died and when you know all this happened was the turning point of her life like mm-hmm. it, this is what had the most impact in her life and she chose this to be her strongest spiritual self was that moment when she was that age so she mm-hmm. came back to being a child at this age because that's what she perceived was her strongest spiritual gifts at that time mm-hmm. so i find it interesting that after she died as an old woman she decided to come back as a spirit and portray herself as that child mm-hmm. so that's a very interesting thing to think about but yeah mm-hmm. she she's looking for her mother um, in the spirit form as a child but there's just there's a dark negative entity that's kind of like preventing her from seeing her mom mm-hmm. and when that's broken and she's reunited with her mom as a child in spirit form um, they go up they yeah. go on to the light they move on which is very very interesting mm-hmm. for that to happen yeah so that that whole uh, episode is, is is really um, cool with evidence and with the spiritual side of things, and uh, they're starting to think that there is something that is affecting this town of almost like a negative presence that seems to be moving along from case to case. Mm-hmm. And so in episode four, they decide um, to to come together and figure figure all this out. And then they get a, a phone call that a, a lady, and this is in broad daylight, that a lady uh, hears a gunshot. Mm-hmm. And she's like in the center of town. So they're like blocking things off. And, you know, the chief is like, I've talked to people. No one's heard a gunshot. No one's firecrackers, nothing. You know, and this lady's like, I heard a gunshot, you know. And so Nick, you know, calls her down, says he like believes her and all that stuff. But it, it's mm-hmm. very interesting. So they're midday or looking around trying to figure out stuff you know retrace steps and all that and they get to uh you know the main town square building i don't know what you call that it's like yeah almost like their capital building for the town but it's yeah whatever it is the town hall i guess is what you'd call it right yeah that's what i would call it i mean some places have a town square some places have a town hall i mean it it really just depends on the location but basically, it's like the main building in the center of their town, right? 
that's mm-hmm. like a landmark. This is the center of the town, basically. And mm-hmm. you have the town run that's uh, going right next to it. And uh, what they kind of do there is interesting. Like they have a, a compass, a real compass that's sitting on this thing. And it's like kind of having a hard time pointing in the direction of north, right? Yeah. So that was really cool. And then Elizabeth decides to pull out a pendulum and uses that to figure out uh, what she is is assuming is the cause due to seeing the compass and she just mm-hmm. confirms it with the pendulum mm-hmm. and she you know she holds it out and yeah it's, it's spinning so that lets them indicate like this water this running water of this town run is you know has a lot of energy going on with it mm-hmm. yeah but um basically with episode four the gist of it is um when they decide uh, that there's a man who back you know in the day um was stalking a woman and he had a path of that day of what he did that ended up him killing that that girl that he was stalking yeah and then you know he gets imprisoned or you know awesome self in jail or whatever and uh basically his purgatory his hell is reliving that day over and over again and there's a path and they basically at night discover this path of the direction in which he took he walked and what he did and mm-hmm. they use some pretty cool thermal imaging cameras that they i think capture him walking across train tracks at some point which is really cool to, to see yeah yeah that whole entire episode was actually quite interesting i mean um watching them uh use the pendulum right next to the river and then having uh nick groff's uh emf meter go bonkers and as he's walking away from that situation um the energy is still there 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 and then it stops so he gets several feet away from elizabeth before the energy stops in that particular area and then with that with that stalker um type guy you know obviously it was affecting uh elizabeth to the point where she actually got angry and everything um and also uh, not to deviate from the topic, but I wanted to mention this: the Chris Reformed Cemetery. What were your thoughts on that location? Oh, when they go to the cemetery for uh, like Ray Ray and all that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an old cemetery. It kind of reminds me of that uh, first cemetery we went to in Kentucky. Yeah. Where it was like kind of overgrown, the, not the super old. nice one, but the one next to it that was a little more dilapidated. Yeah, kind of reminded me of, of that cemetery. Yeah, it kind of gave me that vibe and everything. So that I, that's I that was in my notes to actually bring that up because the vibe that I got from it reminded me of that uh, that cemetery in Kentucky. So I just wanted to get your two cents on it. Yeah, but well, anyway, because, yeah, they find uh, the headstone of Ray Ray. That's yep. you know kind of off the beaten path. And mm-hmm. it's kind of broken, so it's face down. So when they lift it up off the ground, you can still read it. It's, like, legible. So yep. that means it's been laying on the ground undisturbed for a long time for it to be stayed away from the elements that you could still read it, which was really interesting. Yeah, it was definitely preserved in that aspect. And that was pretty cool that they were able to connect two and two together. Yeah. But, yeah, so ep- episode four is, is pretty uh, straightforward with uh, what they discover and all that. Um, but it just they just what they connected with the correlation again was i think the town run and the water is what they kind of took away from that yeah and then episode four 
is when they get a phone call that someone sees a body floating in the Potomac River. So, you know, they're, they're going down there and they're trying to figure that out. And was that episode couple... four or was that episode five? I have it down as episode five. No, I said episode five. Oh, I thought you said episode four. Well, I said episode four, the sum up of that for the Potomac. Oh, okay. All you right. Know, yeah. then, then I'd say the, the next episode is the Potomac. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So the couple that calls it in, um, the the female, uh, the girlfriend, uh, she is very uh, sensitive. Um, like she gets like the feelings and stuff. But uh, yeah, they they called it in because I think she sees the body flowing, and uh, you know they're going and looking. And there's mm-hmm. a scene where they potentially Nick might see something floating in the river, but it's not yeah. really confirmed. Yeah. So I don't know if that was like a little. They I think they probably dramatize that out a bit like they dragged it out a bit but yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to see because yeah. you know once you start zooming in at night on water it, it gets grainy and it's hard to see yeah um but essentially what they eventually start doing when they're looking in this forest you know uh they see an upside down cross drawn on a rock yep that's primarily what gets their attention and what they're figuring out there mm-hmm. and you know it gets a little dark darker i think this is probably like the darkest part of the season so far mm-hmm. that they've dealt with personally um is in this forest mm-hmm. um again they get great uh thermal imaging of uh some b- dark figures you know when i say dark i mean like cold spot figures i mean they look like people that are surrounding nick in this thermal imaging yeah that was pretty cool yeah because if you if you've ever seen how a thermal imaging camera works essentially if you put if you point it at someone you're going to see their body temperatures and everything and then obviously everything around it is going to be colder than that particular individual and the way that they were using it they were using it for paranormal investigations and they they discovered something that looks sort of like a human being but it was cold it was blue versus how a normal living being looks like which would be red to orange on a on a thermal camera right so yeah they they get that and um they didn't know that there were uh, i think uh the girlfriend of the couple that was talking there like she's like yeah i know we had uh some wiccans in in the town but they've never heard of uh, any uh devil worshiping that's going on so that's just kind of i mean it's there but it really has nothing to do with what is going on with the town it's just something that they discover mm-hmm. so it's kind of pointless but you know that they, they eventually you know do investigate but they move on from it they never really go back to the devil worshiping part of of this show because uh, they end up doing research for what they see because what Lori is getting is uh there's uh two women there mm-hmm. and they're they're in distress and there's a guy also there and when they do uh there's some historian research of what happened uh in that area um they discovered that um two friends that were that were girls uh went down was hanging out with this guy and this guy essentially killed them or he dragged them to the lake killed them and then threw their bodies in the river Mm -hmm. like that's from 
historical point of, of things, that's what they discovered. So based on historical facts, they choose to go with that as their main lead mm-hmm. because they have actual historical evidence to back that story up. Mm-hmm. So that's primarily what they decide to focus on in the end for that river, you know. And so they essentially, you know, they figure all that out historical wise. They go there and they pretty much try to put uh, the two girls um, at ease. You know, they try to try to get them to cross over, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, after all that, they tie the Potomac River as part of their evidence on the board. So this is where they're like, you know, huge theme of water is obviously present in it. Mm-hmm. And I- so obviously I'm paraphrasing and skipping some of this stuff so you know you mm-hmm. guys when you watch it mm-hmm. um, can enjoy majority of it I'm just kind of briefly talking about it now yeah I did want to make mention when they were in the forest after when they discovered that cross I didn't notate down that it sounded like either uh, it sounded like either a board was being moved or there was like a branch broken in the forest or whatever it was pretty loud and it caught all their attention which I thought was pretty credible because I didn't think that that would be any human that would cause that particular right. noise well even Bill Hartley says he feels sick like he wants to throw up and that's the first time you've heard him say that he's getting like spiritually affected you know yep so I mean it's pretty palpable and it's kind of funny there's a there's a scene where Nick's like running off into the woods to see something and Lori's like be careful I, I see you falling down and then later he falls down and she's like fucking told you you know right <laughs> it's just it's just kind of funny how, how that scene went went down right but um yeah they, they pretty much get that whole thing resolved and then we're coming up to the final episode that leads up to everything mm. and um there's a, a phone call for this house that uh you know something's going on which is it's kind of crazy because you walk into their house and they're like cleaning up and it just look like things are like thrown around and all that like dishes are broken cupboards are open everything's flown out you know like classic poultry guys activity mm-hmm. and the chief's like uh so what's with all this mess and they're like yeah i one minute this was all nice i walk out of the room i come back and everything's all thrown around mm-hmm. right and so they're doing their uh thing investigating and then they discover that in the basement uh, used to be a, a well, mm-hmm. you know, that um, is connected to the town water at some point, you know, the run. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of where they uh, connect the dots that how water is a factor because what they ended up discovering at this house of what's here is uh, a woman who basically was killed because uh, she was uh accused of witchcraft basically um and the biggest thing of this woman is she had a a a baby that um no one knew about that you know eventually was neglected so it died Mm -hmm. after this this chick uh was accused and killed of witchcraft Mm -hmm. so she i think probably resided in this area and once this couple moved in and started renovating it kind of stir stir this uh activity up Mm -hmm. and because this uh lady um was accused of a witch she kind of had like this dark persona to her and she was like you know a little upset and petty Mm -hmm. because of uh certain things and because she had access to the town run through this well she was able to kind of 
move around the town through water and mm-hmm. as she moved through town with water she was inadvertently kicking up spiritual activity in these areas more severely because of her uh, presence near these areas yep so that's kind of what they determined was a big cause for this town's uptick in activity was due to this uh, this lady and she was particularly tormenting this couple because um, they're essentially expecting a child and Lori pretty much flat out says are are you pregnant mm-hmm. and then the, the, the chicks like we weren't gonna tell anybody you know yeah so that's kind of interesting how they how they do all that but um so they ended up doing this whole session to try to you know forgive and what's the word i'm looking for to forgive solve and her of her yeah. crimes yeah that she was accused of to put her at peace and to essentially lift the curse of Shepherdstown, you know, it's this whole ceremony thing. Mm-hmm. And so they proceed to do that, and, you know, I'm sure it's a haunted town. They'll still have activity, but essentially they, they say that, you know, it's calmed down a little bit in the yeah. town. Yeah, and this last episode was probably by far my favorite episode. Uh, in the notes that I wrote down, um, <clears throat> the, the basement of this house seems weird hard to see elizabeth crying though uh the amount of damage at the second location seems uh, quite intense because they did uh shoot a little bit about this location that had this poltergeist activity and shit was getting broken and everything um but also another thing that david did not mention they also found another baby shoe right which is um, the connection to the first place and this mm-hmm. one because this also had that and mm-hmm. then just the fact that they tied it in with you know this chick who was accused of a witch mm-hmm. she had a child yep but you know it was basically they were taken away from her because she was killed and wasn't able to you know mm-hmm. protect her baby yeah and like what david mentioned the potomac river and the wells and and the water source there was is basically being the highway for the for that spirit and other spirits as well the one thing that i did want to mention i did find it a little ironic and i don't know if you feel the same way um but i feel like people who are pregnant could ignite the activity in the location as well the fact that that quote-unquote witch which ended up not being a witch you know had a baby and a diet and everything because it was neglected and now this new couple that moved in there obviously they didn't make an announcement or or anything because i assumed that was probably too soon but uh she ended up being pregnant as well and do you think some of that activity was caused because that chick was pregnant outside of the potomac river and the water source and everything like that yeah, I'm pretty sure, uh, and I think they make mention of it in the show, that essentially this couple is like the catalyst that sparks up the, you know, mm-hmm. spirit witch to activate in this house, essentially. And then just through, fig- like, because it, it, it's curious to think that this witch was potentially dormant, right? The spirit. Yeah. And once this catalyst of this couple comes in, and now she's like awake essentially and now she's 
probably like super confused, doesn't know what's going on, and mm-hmm. the last thing she remembers is her dying and being accused, and she probably has all this built up resentment, and just she's just building more and more on a negative emotion, and that's probably mm-hmm. what's giving uh, this spirit power. It just decides to unleash it essentially and figure out what's going on, and probably inadvertently create. Mm-hmm. all this activity that's going on and mm-hmm. then eventually just tries to focus in on this couple essentially to I don't know resentment because they are having what she does not yeah um, at the end of the episode I would definitely say that, that the ending was a very very bittersweet they do the uh, the ceremony to release this particular spirit because obviously she was uh, and she was not. She was uh, killed wrongfully, and she was judged wrongfully for something that she did not do. And honestly, the uh, the emotion and the energy coming from that, I could feel that through the TV screen. It was a very, very sweet and caring moment that they could have all done. And apparently, at the end of the episode, they reported that nine days after. Uh, that particular ceremony, no reports of paranormal activity has been reported. So that leads that leads to believe that this particular spirit was, in fact, the root cause of what was going on in you know, in, uh, in Shepherdstown, using the Potomac River and the water sources and everything like that to travel and do all this stuff. And was that kind of the the gist that you got from this, David? Yep, that's how it ends, but there is a second season. There is. And the second season is more than just about Shepherdstown. They go to neighboring towns uh, outside of Shepherdstown. Mm-hmm. So that, that it gets bigger. Yep, it does. And there's something else that's, you know, that they're, they're doing. So season two, I think, is just as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully for Shane, better than season one. Well, let's hope. Can't wait to watch it. But yeah, um, I I thoroughly uh, enjoyed this show. Um, just for all, pretty much every episode has one has at least one big piece of evidence. Yeah. Which I can see why they would pick these certain locations if they did film or investigate other places. Mm-hmm. Why they picked these, even if some of them didn't quite make sense and it felt like they were jumping around. I feel like everything eventually kind of tied in at some point. Yeah, it, it basically all tied in at the uh, at the last episode of that season. It, it it essentially answered any question that anybody could have had through episode one through five. And even if they did this show primarily for uh, entertainment value, I think um, it's it's there. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it has a lot of real paranormal stuff tied in with it. Yeah. So I think it's really good because it has a suspense of trying to figure it out. Plus, you know, showing you good stuff and keeping you in suspense and on your feet. And then also showing actual paranormal uh, stuff, I think, happening in terms of equipment and everything. So I think it, it kind of has everything that you'd want in a show, honestly. Yep. Yep, I definitely agreed there. And then uh, I would say probably in Season 3, we'll probably do another episode of this where we're going to review Season 2 of Ghost of Shepherdstown. Since watching Season 1, me personally, I would like to see what Season 2 is all about. And then we can open up that line 
of conversation again on another episode if you'd like, David. Of course. Okay. But we definitely recommend checking out Ghost of Shepherdstown. Um, I now I know David when he when we were talking last night he asked me on a scale of one to ten where do I rate this at? And if I remember correctly, didn't I tell you like seven or seven point five or something like that? I think you said seven point five. Yes. Yeah. And it's better than Ghost Adventures. It's better than most of the other TV shows that are out on national TV right now. It's just I didn't like the format that they did it at and that they did it as and a couple different things. And that's why I only rated it at like a 7.5. But it was quite enjoyable to watch. And it was very informative. And I learned a couple things watching this as well. And gained some more insight and actually seeing Elizabeth and a few other people and see how they actually investigate and everything because you know david was the fortunate one to actually be able to physically investigate with this individual but seeing her on screen and seeing how she does things it seems pretty legit so i give it two thumbs up yeah i i would give it uh, a solid nine just for the fact that um there is the potential of um, entertainment of uh, potential you know editing mm-hmm. or certain things doing to mm-hmm. make it more enjoyable but I understand why they would want or have to do that in yeah. order to make it a show worth watching because yeah. no matter how technical you are or how equipment savvy you are or even evidence-wise, no matter how much evidence you get, if it's not entertaining, no one's going to watch it. Yep, agreed. You know? So, I mean, you have to do that. There's just a few interesting uh, choices in uh, what they decided to do that was entertaining. But, I mean, the history was spot on. I liked the history that they did for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the medium they use is also spot on. Because I, I think you have to have, uh, it goes hand in hand with equipment and a medium to help back stuff up to figure things out mm-hmm. and honestly the cast that they use for it I think is well rounded mm-hmm. yeah definitely definitely I so, agree with you I don't know I, I would like to give it a 10 but I don't think anything in that anyone does is perfect Yeah, there's always room for improvement so that's why I, I give it a 9 yeah and which brings up the whole 28 days haunted which I'm, I have high expectations for that. I would, I would be pleasantly surprised if you actually graded that TV series higher than Ghost of Shepherdstown. But I guess we won't know until we actually watch it. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm just gonna tell you right now. I don't think that's gonna be the case. But I hope it's at least good enough that I can put it uh, above a six. Yeah. My my hope for it is to be above a six. Yeah. You know. And uh, I guess if we're in the, the, the rating of things, if I was going to rate uh, Ghost Adventures, for me, Ghost Adventures is a four. Yeah. And I, and I tell you why it's a four. Because the things that I do like about Ghost Adventures is, uh, A, they are going to real places that are haunted. So no matter how much they dramatize the episode, they are in a legit location that's haunted. Yep. So you have to take that into account. And then they do do their homework uh, sometimes. Uh, I would say not everything they do is 100% accurate, and I think Mm -hmm. they do uh, bend the truth 
Mm-hmm. So that kind of uh, puts a little bad taste in my mouth. But the other reason why uh, I really like it is the equipment they use is top-notch equipment. Yes. You know, it's real equipment. I think it's stuff that actually produces uh, stuff. So, uh, you know, I do like it for the equipment aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I like Aaron. I think he uh, makes the show worth watching. Yeah, very much so. And just to touch on the whole uh, uh, factual things about it, here's a prime example of when they were completely wrong on history of a location. The Anson Call House in Bountiful, Utah. Ted Bundy never visited nor was near that particular house, but they ran on it because of the name. And that was one of the big things that soured the taste of my mouth, that and quite a few other things, but just a hit hard on a point that David made. That particular episode was completely farce, personally. Yeah, I I feel like they've done that literally in every location that they've done in Utah. Yep. They have uh, kind of spread the truth of what's actually the history of a location. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they've, they've done that with uh, St. Anne's. Yep, very much um, so. They were they went kind of crazy when they uh, did Fear Factory and the whole uh, reading from the Satanic book, yeah. Of one of the employees that was kind of uh, wild, yeah. That what they ran with that, um, which if you've I think Tim talks about it in the EVB podcast of that whole thing of you know after the fact the person who did all that and came up with the book is like not a real book that's Satanic. It, it's it's pretty wild, yeah. And then uh, Asylum Forty Nine. I don't. They did that one really early on, so I I think that one is pretty close yeah. to uh, to accurate. And then um, what's the other one? Oh, Leslie's. Uh, that was told that they kind of uh, spread the the truth on on Leslie's. Yeah. And then I also heard that other residential. There was a, there was a couple residential locations that they did that were uh, way overdone, way overdid. Oh, um, oh yeah, the South Ogden one, but also Eureka, yeah. Utah. Yeah, Eureka, Utah. Um, that they're the main reason why no one can uh, publicly investigate that no more. Yep, they've completely shut it down. Because uh, after that crew left, the Ghost Ventures crew, they like left garbage and trashed it, and like were very rude to the owners of the people. So mm-hmm. they basically shut it down to let not let anybody publicly investigate it no more. Yep. So yeah, there's there's a lot of things that anytime I think Ghost Adventures have ever come to Utah has kind of left with people having a sour taste in their mouth for the experience yeah especially that uh that pizza place in magna utah no one can touch that place anymore the only place that has still stayed true was benson grismo yes yeah because i mean i guess silent 49 has also stayed the way it was when they first got investigated but that's just because their prices are outrageous mm-hmm. but um yeah benson after ghost adventures came to benson uh, bless her heart, the lady who runs it, she kept the price as it was. Yep. You know, she didn't touch it, and then, you know, honestly, um, I think she's gotten a lot more people wanting to do it, obviously, but uh, she hasn't changed anything, and then, honestly, Ghost Adventures didn't do too much, honestly, to affect that place. Yep. It's honestly the locals here in Utah that has kind of done shit to it. 
Mm-hmm. Very but, much um, so. Yeah, and really, I think in terms of uh, what Ghost Adventures used for history there, um, wasn't terribly uh, off basis. They just, I just don't, they just don't know what we know. <laughs> yeah. And I think even the people who were feeding them the information of what's there also didn't know what we know. Mm-hmm. But what we know, we're not going to say is the end-all, be-all that's there. Everyone has their opinions, but we mm-hmm. have just done it enough to be pretty confident in what we know when mm-hmm. we explain it to people. Exactly. All right. So you give this uh, you give this uh, series a two thumbs up then, David? Uh, I give it uh, two thumbs and two big toes. Hell yeah. Alright, and so the last thing that we're going to be talking about for our season finale. Now, this isn't technically paranormal related. However, you have heard us talk about numerous times about grounding, earthing, being out in nature, stuff like that. And I really kind of wanted to talk about this because we we live in a, a digital age. So essentially, we're stuck to our smartphones or smart watches or smart TVs or computers or tablets you know we, we there's hell there's even houses that are smart run so I mean you got smart bulbs smart outlets smart light uh, light fixtures and, and and everything like that but um, basically this is a, a science alert article where it talks about experiment reveals what one hour in nature does to the human brain now we have been told in the last 10 to 15 years that the this digital age is bringing in a new onset of mental uh, inefficiencies and everything like that. Like people are hyper fixated on their electronics and what's being posted on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that instead of paying attention to what's going on around us. In this particular article, it talks about how human history has unfolded largely in... Uh, in a beautiful nature setting with sprawling savannas with forest rivers uh, forest river valleys hosting our ancestors for millions of years by comparison cities represent a radical new kind of habitat one that despite its many perks often strains our mental health researchers have linked urban environments with increased risk of anxiety depression and other mental health problems including schizophrenia Fortunately, research has hints to a solution. Visiting wilderness, even briefly, is associated with an array of mental and physical health benefits, including lower blood pressure, reduced anxiety and depression, uh, improved moods, uh, better focus, better sleep, better memory, and faster hearing. Now, I'm going to deviate off of this particular topic real quick and talk about some personal stuff about me when it comes to nature now in previous episodes uh, we've talked about how Whitney and I have uh, been invited up to David's property up in Island Park and go camping with them for a week the first year we we went up we were only there for like two or three days which was really nice the second time which was this year when we went up with them we stayed the whole entire week and to be honest with you, being unplugged from electronics, being out in nature, being next to the reservoir that their property is by and everything, 
I dare say I slept better in a tent on a air mattress in the wilderness than I've had in my own home that I've been here for years. You know what I mean? I felt like I was more with nature. I felt calmer. I felt a lot better, you know, outside of some of the unfortunate things that did happen that week. That whole week was very needed for my mental health and Whitney's mental health. And I know it definitely helps with David's mental health. He talks about it all the time. He loves going up there. And that's not his only property that he has, too. He has another property that he could go to as well. Island Park is definitely more family-oriented for his particular family. And, and that's why I wanted to deviate off of that particular article and just kind of give you a little bit of background that even I myself have felt that as well when I disconnect from the urban environment and go out in nature like our ancestors did I feel a lot better and I've always been uh, wanting to go out and be in nature like the upper Provo Falls or going up Soapstone Basin or going up to Island Park or even hell just going up to Franklin Basin where I'm at or going to some of these reservoirs or lakes like Bear Lake for example it's always good to go out and experience nature now in this particular article, numerous studies have supported this correlation, but we still have a lot to learn. Can just walking in a forest really spark all of these beneficial changes in the brain? And if so, how? One good place to look uh, for clues is a certain region in your particular brain. I'm going to butcher this name, but it's Amygdala. A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A. A small structure in the center of your brain involves in stress processing, emotional learning, and the fight or flight response. Researchers indicated that particular area of the brain is less activated during stress in rural residents versus uh, city dwellers. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean rural living causes this effect. Maybe it's the opposite and people who naturally have this trait are more likely to live out in the country. To address this question, researchers from the Max uh, Planck uh, Institute of Human Development uh, devised a new study, this time with help with uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI. Uh, using 36 healthy adult volunteers, the researchers asked subjects to fill out questionnaires perform a work memory task and undergo a fMRI scan while answering questions, uh, some of which were designed to induce social stress. Participants who were uh, told the study involved an MRI and, and going on a walk, but they didn't know the goal of the research. The subjects were randomly assigned to take a one-hour walk in either an urban setting, a busy shopping district in Berlin, or a natural one, Berlin's 3,000 hectare Grunfeld forest. Uh, researchers asked them to walk a specific route in either location without going off course or using their mobile uh, phones along the way. After their walk, each participant took another fMRI scan with an additional stress-induced stress task while filling out other questionnaires. The fMRI scan showed reduced activity in that 
particular region of the brain after a walk in the woods, the researchers report which supports the idea that nature can trigger beneficial effects in brain regions involving with stress, and apparently it can happen in just 60 minutes. Now with that being said, there's still a lot more research and a lot more to this article that meets the eye. We'll definitely post up a link to this particular article in our group page, but it, it's quite ironic that even scientists are telling us that we need to ditch these electronics and we need to go out and visit nature to better help our mental health. And I believe, personally believe that this is paramount, especially in this day and age. Now, what are your thoughts on this, David? Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I mean, even if it's briefly or I guess even going to a park, if, if you can, um, makes sense why it helps you decompress and all that. Just the idea of not having to worry about anything just being in the moment mm -hmm. it's got to do something on your brain for sure mm -hmm. yeah very much so and you know we're blessed to be in the area that we're in because we can literally walk outside and go to the mountains if we wanted to regardless if we're in logan ogden salt lake provo it doesn't really matter there's nature all around us now i could see it being a harder time for people that are in say new york city for example yes they do have that huge ass park in the middle of the island but do you really think that that could help alleviate that stress or do you think maybe they should be going up deeper into upstate new york where the mountains are and where the trees are and everything and actually experience nature that way what are your thoughts on that yeah i don't know new york from what i've heard and has potentially seen it's a wild beast very much so I I would say the most they can do is probably the best but mm -hmm. uh, who knows yeah but that's the article that I wanted to touch bases on and I, I figured it'd be a good article to, to end this series on because obviously mental health is paramount in our society regardless if it's paranormal or non uh, paranormal or anything like that but it's a, a good sign in the right direction that it, everything that we've talked about in season one and season two about nature and grounding and earthing and being out there and just absorbing that is actually a benefit to your human psyche and your body itself so we'll leave leave off on that particular note any final thoughts david um, yeah, because just talking about mental health, I mean, with this being our final episode, you know, winter, winter mm -hmm. is coming up, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, winter is the hardest time for people with mental health issues mm -hmm. uh, because they can't. It's hard for them to go outside and enjoy the outdoors in winter, right? You're yeah. mostly in at home Yeah. Um, when, when the winter time comes. So uh, it'd be a good time to think about what would be a good way to help yourself relax and decompress and stress from your life uh in winter times in your own home mm -hmm. you know so it'd be a good time to to start thinking about uh things to do in that that aspect whether it's trying to learn to meditate you know get candles and stone whatever makes you happy to get in a position like that to where you can relax i know for us one of the biggest things we like to do in the winter is hot pots or anything mm -hmm. like that to help mm -hmm. with uh that winter anxiety that we get during the winter we like to you know go to the hot pots to relieve all the that stress that we've been accumulating throughout the winter mm -hmm. so i mean yeah it's just things like that to, to keep in mind for sure 
with winter coming up. Because a lot of people actually do uh, suffer from sor some sort of SAD, which is seasonal uh, effect or seasonal something disorder or whatever. It's it's a legit thing. I know quite a few people that actually have SAD, and when winter usually hits, that's when it usually takes a toll on a lot of people. And for me, I love going to lava or going to any tour, any sort of hot pots to go relax because that would be my only reprieve from winter because personally, I absolutely hate winter. I don't think I have sad because I, I, just, I just hate winter. I just hate the cold. I've never been one of those people that get excited about the cold and snowboarding and skiing and, and snowmobiling and stuff like that. That, just, that kind of stuff doesn't excite me. But I know quite a few people that do uh, have sad and gets really affected by it. And, you know, if we all can help out each other, that would be the best way. And even if it's just doing something as simple as trying to find something inside of your house that gives you comfort or meditation or going to the hot pots, we definitely recommend that to be able to clear your mind and soul. Um, but I guess, uh, I guess that's it. I don't check our merch store out. I know we talked about it at the beginning, but... Mm. You know, check check our store out. Uh, like and follow our pages and all that, and spread the word, spread the good word. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully look forward to uh, our potential plans for a public investigation that we may or may not do. And I guess hopefully look forward to our next season um, during uh, our off break that we're doing here for a minute. Um, check out uh, the EVB podcast. Obviously, they uh, have some good stuff that they bring out every week mm -hmm. to alleviate um, the void from us, I guess. Yep. We are going to be taking uh, approximately a two to three month uh, hiatus from this just to give ourselves a, a break from this to, to recoup, bring to the table some new ideas and everything, a new set list. We are planning on doing some new things for next season. There are going to be a lot more episodes that David is going to be leading versus uh, me leading them. And we're going to be going over some other topics, hopefully with some pretty awesome guests for the next season. So make sure you follow our Facebook page. Uh, we will post up updates on that as time goes on. We're basically shooting around January, February when the next season is going to be coming out. Uh, once uh, David and I sit down and go over the set list and go over some ideas that we're going to talk about and and inform you guys of these uh, topics as well. But this is going to be a wrap for our Season 2 final episode. You guys have a wonderful rest of your Monday when you guys listen to this or whenever you do listen to this. Happy Halloween, Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year's. We will see you next year. See ya. Goodbye. You are listening to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast, BRP Podcast. If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at BRP Podcast. 
If you're interested in sponsoring us, or if you like your products featured on the show, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.